Today, the sermon is Jesus did the math. I, I, I called it that because we, we have a problem that needs to be solved, all of us as individuals. I wasn't good at math. I like basic math. I, I, I can read budgets and um, it's, it's necessary and good, but I did not like math. I didn't want to go beyond algebra in high school. I mean, I, geometry and calculus, I, I just couldn't, I, I didn't want to go there. It was too hard and I remember the teacher saying, Stan, you know you can't sleep in class. But I said, yes, but if you'd be a little quieter, I think I could. And, and so I, I just, you can see why I didn't, that's not a true story, but I like that joke. And, um, but, I, but it's true that I didn't like algebra. And then there, there's, there's this thing in math where there's actually some unsolvable problems in math. Did you know that? If you go online, you'll find some that can't be, can't be solved. And we, we called it Jesus did the math today because when it comes to those unsolvable problems that we can't solve, he can always solve them. And we can see here where there were problems that couldn't be resolved any other way, but Jesus came in. I think he wants to do that for your life as well. Let's pray. Father, I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will come and minister to our hearts today. You love each one of us so much. You know each name who sits here today, Lord, whether they've followed you or not, you know them and you love them. And you're drawing them closer to you, Lord. I pray for these areas that are um, fractured in our lives, for the division that comes in life. Jesus, the same way you solved the problem in this passage, I, I pray that we would all see you as great enough to solve the problems in our life and tear those walls down. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So first thought here today, we all have a problem. Here we see a problem that was a major problem uh, in that there was division between the Jewish Christians and the Gentiles who were just now, Gentile by the way, if you see that in the Bible, it means every other race or every other nation besides the, the Jews or Israel. So the Gentiles, every, every other person across the face of the earth. Uh, the Jews were God's chosen and, and they knew it, but there had risen a division and, and we pick it up in Ephesians 2 where, where Paul is talking to the new Gentile Christians, these people outside the Jewish race that had come to Jesus, and he says in verse 11, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. So he's addressing these Gentiles, and here's what the Gentiles knew. The, the Jewish Christians were basically saying, and, and there, there was a portion of it was true, they were saying, we're God's chosen people. And if you want to come in, you have to follow all these laws that we have, and you have to be uh, circumcised for the men, of course. You have to be circumcised Wow, that's a church that every man would want to sign up for, isn't it? The first church of the scalpel. Just, just It's going to be a small church, I'm telling you. It's, it's not, there's not going to be a lot of people signing up for that one. But they had all these extra things that they wanted you to prove because they were the special ones. Well, it's true that God had used them, and it's true that he saw them as special, but what they didn't know is he sees all this creation as special. I, I liken it to this. Uh, they, they were mistaken because they made an assumption. If I started a business of my own 
And it just so happened that, I, that one of my children had a gift set that would work well. And I called them in and we started to work together on our business. And we had a good relationship and things were working well and the business was going well. Would that mean that I love that child more than my other children who weren't in this, this close relationship of business with me? Of course not. It, 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 I, lo- I, I love my children equally. But the Jews had made this mistake because he had chosen them and used them in this setting that they were the special ones. And they started to look down their nose at, uh, at the Gentiles. And so that was the environment that they were in. They were kind of struggling with that. They'd been told all their lives, the Gentiles, you're, you can't come in. You're not as special. Follow all these rules. You're, you're not part of the covenant. You're, you're not good enough. You ever have anybody tell you you're not good enough? You won't make it. Uh, uh, you, you can't ever be as close as we are. They had all those thoughts, and, and Jesus is about to address that. God's about to address it here. But he starts with saying, it's true that you were far off. It's true that you didn't have citizenship. It's true that you weren't close. And it's also true that you can't get close to God because of your behavior. So that's an interesting start. He says, you're without Christ and without hope. And I think for all of us, we need to know as well that we can't do it on our own. You cannot come to God because you do enough good. You're not saved because of your behavior. It's true that your behavior should get better once you know God because you're becoming more and more like Him, but it's not true that you're saved because of your behavior or your good deeds. So if there's a thought in your head that says, well, I get to go to heaven because I've done a lot of good things in my life, that's not why you get to go to heaven. You get to go to heaven because you accept Jesus in your heart and life, and he's the one that paid the ransom for your sin, and it's only by the grace of God. It's grace offered to every one of us. So the irony of it is, is though they had been called not good enough, Paul says it's really true that you're all sinners, and that you couldn't have done it on your own, but Jesus has made a way to include you. Now, I want to talk about this divide today because it's really a racial divide. It's racism that's spoken of here, but it's because it's the Jews saying we're better than the Gentiles, and God's about to break that wall down. And God doesn't like racism anywhere, by the way. Uh, um, It's not the color of skin that matters. we're, We're all equal as God's creation. And, and we, should, we should value one another. And that's what, that's what God wants. And he wants to break down walls of racism. But there's something else in this passage too that I want you to understand. And it's this. Wherever there are walls in your life, wherever there's something fractured or broken, God can fix it. And the way it's fixed is when Jesus shows up. You know, we have broken relationships in our marriages, in our relationship with our children, in the workplace, in so many places. Here's a story of a fellow who had a broken relationship with his dad. This story is told by Maxie Dunham, who told of his pastor friend. He said his mother and father, after 30 years of marriage, were divorced. The father had been unfaithful to his mother, and he'd kept promises over and over again. He said, I won't do it again, I won't do it again, but he went back to the same mistress. And finally, after 30 years, she gave up, and she moved on. She divorced him. And this caused her son great pain. He grew up in this home after all. He felt the tension. He, he knew that dad was being unfaithful and, and he became bitter and even hateful towards his dad. Unable to accept the suffering that was inflicted upon his own mother. And he, is, he and his dad became estranged in, in, their adult, in his adult life. 
The father was so embarrassed, he just decided not to show up. Uh, he was eaten up by shame and guilt, unable to face his son. Four years went by when the father finally had some business that would take him to the town where his son lived. And he called his son and said, hey, do you, could, could I see you? It had been four years since they'd been together, and he said, okay, sure. So he met him at the sidewalk, and he took him into the house, and he's got a young family now that he's going to introduce them to. But as he walked through the house, the son leading the way, he realized when he got into the living room that his dad wasn't with him. He had stopped in the garage, so he went back out in the garage, and there was his dad standing over a go-kart that he had built for his son, weeping. His dad was remembering the days when he had built go-karts for his son. He remembered the times that were so wonderful before all the pain came into their lives. He thought he'd left nothing of his son good that he could give, but seeing that his son at least took that, that love that he had for him in building that go-kart, and now he was doing that for his son, moved him deeply, and he started to weep uncontrollably. And then he started, when he came out of this, his, his son standing there, he started to apologize and ask for forgiveness for all the pain that he had caused. And his son put his arms around him, and there in that place, Jesus showed up to break down a wall. I know that there are times when relationship is broken, and because of one person, we, we, can't, we can't heal it. But wherever you've been and whatever, how deep the fracture has been, God can heal your heart and help you. <clears throat> God can meet you in the circumstances of your life right now, and Jesus can break down walls and make things good as you go forward. This is what Jesus can do. He can solve the unsolvable problems. He can bring healing into our lives by breaking down those walls, those divisions. Here we see it in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 16. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting comfort and hope, which we don't deserve, comfort your hearts with all comfort and help you in every good thing you say and do. He was telling the Gentiles, it's true that life's been broken. It's true that you're not good enough to come by yourself, but now comes the good news. There's been all kinds of fractures, but now there's a new covenant. The old covenant kept the Gentiles, kept those outside the Jewish race as, as outsiders, and they couldn't be in. But now there's a new day as Jesus shows up. And that's my second point this morning. Christ is our common denominator. Now, we went with math, uh, a math quotient for this sermon, and I told you already I'm not very good at math, but we had to ask the best guy in the room at math to help us. And around here, it's Randy Campbell. And, and here's, here's what we mean by common denominator. We're going to try to make, uh, tie this together here. The arena, this is Randy's quote. The arena of mathematics gives us a great picture of the reconciliation needed to bring a fractured relationship together. We are all familiar with fractions. Two different fractions cannot be added together to increase their value unless they have a common denominator. When two fractions do not have a common denominator, they need to be reconciled. To do that, a unique expression of one is applied to each. Their denominators transform to be the same number and allows them to be added together, increasing their value and making two fractions one. Now you know why we had Randy write that, right? Because I... I'm just glad I'm out of school. That's all, that's all I can say. <laughs> but the point is, sometimes there's a fracture 
that can't bring itself together unless a common denominator shows up to help. And with the fractures in our lives, there's a common denominator that can show up no matter what your problem is and help you, and it's Jesus. He's the common denominator. He's the one that can bring things together. Here's what it says as we pick up the text again in Ephesians 2.14. For he himself is our peace. Now he's talking to these that have been outsiders. Who's made the two one and destroyed the barrier. That wall's coming down now. The dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. So they wanted to make it about rules, and Jesus shows up to say, no, the wall is broken down by relationship, and that relationship is with me. People these days say, well, religion, so much bad has been done in the name of religion that I don't want to come to Jesus. Well, listen, you don't have to be religious at all. Don't be religious. Get a relationship with Jesus. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. You don't have to accept religion. You need a relationship with Jesus, and you mostly need it because he'll give you eternal life. But I'm telling you, in your life, as you go through trouble, he's the common denominator to heal the fractures. They're speaking to a major problem that had developed with these Jewish Christians here, a wall that needed to come down. The the Jewish Christians actually believe they're superior. And as you look at the temple, it, it, it illustrates a bias that they had because they had these different courts. See if I can explain it here. The temple, the Jewish temple was divided into these various courts and right at the core of it was the Holy of Holies that only the high priest could go in there. And then there was, the next court was the holy place. And then there was the priests, only the priests could go in. And then there was the Israelites, they could go there. Then there was another court for women, they couldn't get into all these others. And, and then on the very outside of it all was the, the Gentile court. And then there was a three to four foot wall. They know this because history records this, but there are archaeological digs that have found this too, and they uncovered this three or four foot wall, and this inscription is on the wall for all the Gentiles to know. It actually said this in the Jewish synagogue. Here are the words, direct quote, no foreigner may enter within the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. Well, I can see the love of God all over that, can't you? Why do we want to make it so hard? Why do we want to say others aren't as good? All of us can understand the feeling of being an outsider, can't we? I mean, have you ever been in a situation where, where you were just an outsider and they wouldn't let you in for whatever reason? We long to be a part. Henry Blackaby said this, we human beings often struggle with the sense of isolation and inner emotional feeling of disconnectedness. We long for closeness with other human beings and also with God. And God had watched his creation, these races that were outside the Jewish race, outside of the Israelite nation. And they wanted closeness with him too. And he was about to make a way through Jesus Christ. This feeling of isolation, I I remember it. Maybe you remember a time in your life. I was in seventh grade. And I was part of a leadership team at our school, a junior high school in Keys, California, just outside of Modesto. And we were having a banquet, a fundraising banquet for whatever this was. I don't even remember what the, 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 the fundraiser was for. 
But I was the only one on the leadership team that was not invited to serve at the banquet. All the other kids were. So I went to my teacher and asked and basically got this convoluted answer that they had enough and da-da-da-da-da. But I still didn't get it. And I asked some of the kids and then they just kind of whispered among themselves. And then finally, on the way home from school, one of them told me, it's because you don't have nice enough clothes to serve at the banquet. Now, my dad was a pastor, and we didn't have a lot, but I dressed the best I could. But I'm going to tell you something, that hurt me. And it's funny how we do that. We make categories of, of, of you, you know, the, the best Christian and the medium Christian and, and, and the new Christian, and the, we put people on the outside, and, and, and you, you know, how people dress and what they drive, we categorize if we're not careful. And trust me, this is a great temptation in America, isn't it? But Jesus breaks down these walls. Look at James 1, verse, or I'm sorry, 2, verse 1. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor By my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Jesus takes all these walls that we put up for whatever reason and and the division, the, the fractures that they cause, and he just knocks them over in love. He says, no, I've made a way for everyone to be included, not just the Jews, not just the Gentiles, every person. You were on the outside, but I've made a way for you to be equal. And here it is in Galatians 3, 28, where God says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. That young lady who gave her testimony about becoming a pastor, Taylor, remember her testimony at Easter? You know why she can be a pastor? Because God says there's neither male nor female. And what he means is everybody gets to be a part. For you are one in Christ Jesus, it says. And we have divisions and fractures everywhere right now, even with what we're hearing in in Iraq and Iran and Syria, the division that's there. Jesus is the answer for every fracture in our world. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You say, well, they don't believe in Jesus, but if people will give their hearts to Jesus... He'll heal all these things, but it has to come from their heart to say, has to come from our hearts when we have fractures to say, I give this to you. I will follow you. Show me. And one of the things he'll lead us to is, first he'll say, I forgive you, and then he'll say, I want you to forgive others. And we say, no, no, I can't forgive them because of what they've done. And then we have to realize, what if Jesus said that to us? I can't forgive you because of what you've done. Well, thank God the Father. He didn't say that, and he doesn't say it. He says, I forgive you for everything you've done, and he'll forgive us, and he'll heal our hearts even if people don't do the right thing. Did you know, even if they never say they're sorry, they never do the right thing, he can heal you, and your heart and mind can be good and great. But even beyond that, when we start to live right, love right, and he tells us to forgive, and that's forgive, the root of the word is to give forth, forgiveness, give forth. And when we give it to God and he heals our hearts, then we're able to love those people that didn't love us correctly. And then God can do his best work in their hearts as they see, wow, God did that? Because if God doesn't do that in our hearts, we can't get it done. 
We, we tend to, to gravitate to the non-forgiveness side when people have wounded us. In our relationships, in these countries, in, in business, in your workplace, all these walls and fractures and divisions, he, he's the one who can break them down and heal, but we have to give it to him. How about denominations? Wow, hundreds of them, maybe thousands of denominations of Christians in America. I mean, we, we, we go to the extreme. I have a question for you. When it comes to the doctrine of the denominations, are the doctrines of the denominations inerrant? Or is the word of God inerrant? It's the word of God that's inerrant. So I'd say to any denomination, you call your doctrine inerrant, and we're, we're getting, we're, that's heresy right there. But here's the deal. Nobody has it perfectly, Right? So we all need to walk in humility. Nobody, no denomination has perfect theology. But God does. And what we need to do is stop talking about what we don't have in common, all these little things, and here's the things we need to stand together with that we have in common for the church to do what God wants to accomplish. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to be saved. He's the Son of God who was crucified and died for our sins and has risen again, and he wants all to be saved. That's the first thing. That's where we stand. And then the word of God is, is our standard by which we, we follow and hear from God. It's his love letter to us. We need to stand in those things together. But what we do is we end up with our doctrines which sound a lot like this. Repent and be Baptist. Well, that's not what it says. It's close. For all have sinned and forsaken and fallen short of the assembly of God. No, that's not quite right. That's not what it is. We need to stand together, and God wants to see walls come down. And he prayed in the book of John. Jesus prayed, I pray that they would all be one so the world will see that you sent me. When we become one, that's when the world sees. So let's stand together in our families. Let's believe God in all these areas where walls are up. Ephesians 4, verse 3, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there's one body and one Spirit just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. One church. And it's not only the church, it's not only the denominations, but for any area of our lives that is fractured, Jesus is the answer. Being unified there. Here's a video. I like it just because it lifts up Jesus and makes me excited every time I see it. And I want to raise the possibility for you of what Jesus can do in your life. If you see him for who he is, You'll let him have control of the situation. Watch this. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hails out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. 
He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the Rose of Sharon, and some say he's the Prince of Peace. Get up on your feet. Put your hands together and show your love for the second coming of the one and only. <laughs> That's the best Steve Harvey's ever done anywhere, right there on that stage, I'll tell you. It's really true. Jesus is who the Bible says he is. He's God come down in the flesh. He came down so that we might have our broken lives healed and make heaven our home. And he wants to touch every situation, every area of our lives. He's the common denominator for the fracture to be fixed. Will you let him in? Will you, not only into your life, that's the big question. Will you let him into the situation that's so tough that you, you want to walk away from it? You've called it done. But he might not be done because he can heal it. Let him in. Third thought. And it's obvious, we've been leading here. Christ solves the problem. He reconciles the books. He reconciles the numbers. And without Jesus, we can't solve these problems of division. Ephesians 2, verse 16, we pick up the text again. And in this one body, to reconcile, there it is, he reconciles both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. He came and preached Peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. By the way, the near there is speaking of the Jews. The far away was us, the Gentiles. But now he's bringing us all together with this peace here. Verse 18, for through him we have both access to the Father. We both rather have access to the Father by one spirit. So he healed this divide that no one else can heal. He brought everyone close. No more outsiders. He did it for them in that situation that existed for thousands of years, and he'll do it for you in your situation today. I love verse 18, that, that word access in the Greek. Here's how it defines. When you get access to the Father, this is what the, the definition is in the Greek. Access means, is defined as permission to approach the king. That is awesome. That is awesome. I was reading a, a commentary this week about the text as part of the study process for me. And one of the guys said uh, uh, that, that there's no nobility um, with, with believers. They're, 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 you know, that we're all on the same level. And I, at first I thought, yeah, that's good. And then I thought of the verse, wait a minute, we're all priests and kings. And so, so it's not that there's no nobility, it's that we're all nobility. It's that no matter where you've been, no matter how bad it's been for you, no matter how rough people are on you, no matter what your mom and dad did you or your business partner or whoever it may be, that, that God says, I give you access to approach my throne. And you know what you want to do? You want to settle for me sometimes. Are you kidding me? 
Go to him. You have direct access. Don't go to the best Christian you know. Go to your Savior who died for your sins, who destroyed the wall of hostility, and who can meet you in every situation and bring beauty to your life again. Trust him with whatever it is that was weighing heavy on you today. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. I have a saying that I say quite often around here, and it goes like this, where everybody's somebody and Jesus is all. And a, and a wonderful student at our high school, can you zoom in on that for a moment? Painted this. As a matter of fact, it was Gabby. Raise your hand over there, Gabby. And she gave this to me. And... Um, this, this means a lot to me. Uh, she's a special young lady, but this, listen, man, I, God brought me in when I was lost. There are a lot of people who thought I wasn't much, and there may have been people who thought you weren't much too, but he forgave me. And everybody who walks in here, I have this great desire for them to know that Jesus will forgive them and that they can have access to him immediately. Do you know one of the great dangers for believers uh, this, this danger of, of somehow thinking that there's a, there's a grade A and a grade B uh, when it comes to the level of, of believers, this, you, you know, th- this, this thought that we, we, we accidentally slip into where people aren't equal. It happens most to people who've been Christians for a long, long time. And they've done a lot of good things. They've paid their tithes. They've worked around the church property They've visited people, they've helped, and they might have even helped erect a building or, 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 or send out a ministry. And, and pretty soon, if we're not careful, we start becoming like these Jewish Christians saying, you know what, we're pretty special. We've been doing it for a while. And we like to talk to the special ones when we come together in our buildings and in our meetings, but we don't recognize that all these new people coming in, that all these that Jesus is forgiving right now, they are nobility as well. They have direct access to the king. And I want us to be careful. If we've been saved for a long time, be careful to keep our hearts humble. Be careful to always remember that Jesus wants to reach out to someone, that he wants the walls to come down for them. And let's be part of making them know that this is a place where everybody's somebody and Jesus is all. That's the way the Bible has it written down. And if we do that, God's going to send people and they'll find him in this place. I remember when this was really broken down for me, I was, I, I, I was a prodigal. And um, for those of you who may not know that story, that was a guy who had a lot in his father's house and he wanted his inheritance and he went out and just squandered it and went into sin. And I was a Christian growing up. My dad was a pastor, but when I went to college, I, I fell away. I'm not proud of that. I'm ashamed of it. And yet it's part of my testimony. And it's, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And there, there's probably prodigals sitting here today. Well, I, I was in those ranks. Uh, I had trouble at George Fox College when I was there. I went to play sports and I had so much trouble with the, with, with, um, the administration that I moved to another school. They didn't make me, but I don't think they were sad about it when I went. I, I went to play basketball at another school, and I got kicked out of that Christian school and suspended for my behavior there as well. You're saying, what are you doing up there? I have no idea. I, I, I can't believe that God lets me be up here. But I found out <clears throat> in my junior year of college that <clears throat> God has no grandkids, only children. <clears throat> 
And I grew up off my parents' experience. Behavior was a part of it. And when I got away from all the rules and regulations, I, I went into sin. Much like <clears throat> the prodigal that's spoken of in the Bible in that story. <clears throat> but after a season, I realized that I just hurt myself, I hurt others, and I, I wanted to come back to Jesus, and I became his child, not his grandchild. I wanted him because I wanted him, not because my parents wanted me to have him. And then after a few months, <clears throat> I felt the tug in my heart to go into the ministry. <clears throat> not something that I wanted to do, but I tried to tell the Lord I've been disqualified because of my behavior. And he said, no, that's not true. I asked him, don't you remember my sin? And he said, no, because I have an ability humans don't have. I can forget your sin, never to bring it up against you again. And I don't remember anymore. So I went back to George Fox and I went into ministry. When I came back to that school, now I'm a changed person, but I have a reputation on that campus. <clears throat> Matter of fact, <clears throat> many years later, they selected me as a young alumnus of the year. And I called and said, are you sure you have the right guy here? <clears throat> because I was pretty bad while I was there. And they said, no, no, this is about after you were gone, not while you were here. And I said, oh, okay, then I'll show up. <clears throat> so I go back, and I've got this reputation, and there's this wonderful Christian man. His name is Ron Cresselius. He's the chaplain at George Fox. He, he takes care of all the chapels. And in those days, there were only seven or 800 students, a few thousand now. <clears throat> and at the end of chapel... Ron Cresselius, I've just come back. I have this reputation in this school. They, they let me back in, and Ron Cresselius says from the microphone at the end of the chapel, I'd like for Stan Russell to come up and pray and close this chapel. And you could hear a little groan. Now, I had told Ron that, I, that my life was changed, and I was going to follow God, and I was going into Christ, you know, Christian ministry major there. And Ron, in this moment, <clears throat> completely surprising me, asked me to come up. And I went up and prayed the worst public prayer, the worst public prayer you've ever heard in your life, because I was flustered. And then when I got done, he put his arm around me and said, that was fantastic. I said, not really, Ron. He said, oh, yeah, to hear a prayer for, from a sincere heart that loves Jesus, there's nothing better than that. In a moment... Ron Cresselius says, hey, buddy, Jesus doesn't hold it against you, and neither do I. Let's go. You go with Jesus. So he let me know that everybody's somebody, and Jesus is all. And I want to let you know, and God wants to let us know. He can tear down walls that have been in your life. He can do something amazing with your life. He can tear down walls where things have been broken. He can bring the prodigal back home. He's that awesome. Will you let him into that area of your life.